our previous episode, which was Perception Creates Reality and Other Rules of the Game. Last episode, we were talking about a few different things from memory distortions to evolutionary arguments against reality and how our biology impacts the way that we see the world. And this next episode is going to be going a little bit deeper. We're going to be talking about some of Deepak Chopra's theories of consciousness as being fundamental to reality, whereas in the last episode we were talking about awareness and what role it plays in our experience and relationship with reality. Now we're going to be talking a little bit more about reality itself, and then we're going to finish it off with talking about how our brains are constantly hallucinating our conscious reality. And this is from Anil Seth, who is a great cognitive neuroscientist who's done a few TED Talks about the brain and perception and stuff. So I'm really excited. Um, Please go listen to the previous episode if you haven't yet, because this might be a little bit confusing, but you should be okay either way. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. So I'll go into talking about Deepak Chopra who is um, an Indian-American author, and I believe he has, um, like, he's a physician, so he's a doctor, and he really speaks a lot about this idea of consciousness and reality and perception and subject and object and um, spirituality and healing, and and he um, he really has a wealth of knowledge. So... I, I wanted to bring him into the picture because he has a view of consciousness that I find very interesting um, that relates to this idea of perception and creating our reality. And so what he says is that consciousness is the awareness in which perception happens. And he believes that consciousness is the common ground of experience before the subject-object split. And I'll also link the video below where he kind of talks about this in more detail. But what he means by that is that before I perceive you and you perceive me and we perceive each other, there is a common ground of awareness that precedes this act of perception that contains the act of perception and he believes Deepak Chopra that consciousness is this like all-encompassing aspect that does not become like it cannot be reduced because of the split because i perceive you and you perceive me consciousness the the consciousness that exists as fundamental to this experience does not change and i think this is such an interesting it's such an interesting thing to think about especially you know when we started off with renee descartes who who was talking about really the same thing It's that when he says, I think, therefore I am, I don't think he really means the self in this basic way. I think he means awareness. It it really, all that, all that this sentence is, is 
awareness. I am aware, therefore I am aware. I think, I perceive my thoughts because I'm aware of my thoughts. Therefore, I am. I am. I am aware of myself. So, this is really um, integral, I would say, to a lot of what I talk about and where I'm coming from when I mention consciousness and when I mention even God, because to me, God is consciousness. So there is no difference between this fundamental aspect that exists before the subject-object split and God. They are quite literally the same exact thing. Um, And all of this that we experience, the memories that we have, the objects that we see in our field of vision, like to me, that's why it's not that it's an illusion. Because I actually think that it's there. Like, matter is real. That's something that me and Deepak Chopra may disagree on. Um, He kind of believes that consciousness is the fundamental reality. And the matter that we interact with is um, basically like a product of it or, or an illusion of it or something. Or it's like a means for us to understand this world. And so we go ahead and assume that what we understand is what it is but it's actually there's something else beneath it that we're not grasping like that's kind of if if i could explain what i think he kind of sees it as is it's that um now again some of you may be more well read with deepak chopra's works and they may disagree with me and i'd be happy to have a conversation about that um if if you want to go you know send me a message or something on my instagram but What I think is really interesting about this perspective and when you consider the existence of matter is the idea that I think maybe a year or two ago, the Nobel Prize for physics was awarded to scientists who basically proved that there is no such thing as a local reality. Everything that we experience is like a representation of the probabilities that exist within that field. So in school, uh, some of you might remember, we were taught about the atom and uh, the Bohr model. And there's like the nucleus in the center with the neutrons and the protons. And then around it are the electrons kind of orbiting like the planets orbit around the sun. And the reason I use this example is because we actually were wrong. And that's not what an electron an atom looks like or how it functions Uh, and it was actually us projecting our own understanding of the cosmos onto the atom because we thought well if uh, the solar system if the sun is the center and the planets revolve around it then the atom must be organized in some similar way and we just kind of went with it for decades Um, now we know that electrons don't orbit around the nucleus They appear and reappear, and we don't really quite yet know where they're going when they disappear. But what we do know is that most all matter that exists in the universe exists in a state of probability. And it is when this matter is in interaction with an agent right? Like 
person or I, I really like it's a this is really hard stuff to talk about uh, I'm really trying to like you know just center into what I'm saying but when you have this system right let's call it a system that exists in probability this is the quantum state and this is apparently the natural state of everything in our universe when it's not being interacted with when it's just isolated it exists in probabilities which means it's not this is the schrodinger's cat problem once you open the box you will see whether the cat is dead or alive but until you do that both prob like possibilities exist in which the cat is dead and alive super morbid but let's say this is how the rest of the world exists the moment that you interact with it with this object the moment that you open the box your frequency because the universe has a wavelength like our classical universe in which we exist as classical objects has a specific wavelength and when that wavelength interacts with another system perhaps a quantum system that exists in a different wavelength immediately there's something that happens that changes i believe both sides the classical side and the quantum side and it kind of collapses you know if you've heard of the collapse of the wave function it collapses to create a unified experience similar to what donald hoffman was saying about two conscious agents you can take two minds and generate a, a unified single mind the same thing happens with every single experience that we have on this earth constantly we have multiple systems coming together to create one unified experience and this really reminds me of a uh, quote from Albert Einstein where he kind of ponders, I don't know, it's unclear whether he asks the question or whether he makes a statement, but what he gets at is whether the moon is there even if we are not looking at it. And I think what, what this gets at is, you know, do objects exist? in the absence of an observer. If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? If there's no ears to perceive that sound? I don't know the answer. <laughs> and it really, it's really something that keeps me up at night. And that's one of the reasons that I really like combining all of these different kind of things and one day uh maybe in like a future episode i will incorporate math and how math plays a role because it's actually really incredible the role that math plays in in all of these kind of um questions and models and all of these things but ultimately what we're talking about isn't necessarily um, the nature of reality. We're talking about the nature of our perception in relationship to reality. So again, maybe we'll do another episode where I'll talk about reality in itself and what is reality. Um, but for now, I want to leave you with 
a very popular quote from Anil Seth. He is a uh, British neuroscientist, I believe, a computational neuroscientist, and he said something during one of his TED Talks that really stuck with me. And I believe it, I can also link the TED Talk below, but I believe it was, um, he did like a computer simulation where they um, basically gave the, it was based off the Google Dream bot thing and um they basically turned up the notch of awareness on these machines they were given i I assume human-like uh faculties and then they were like just uh over predictions of perception so our brains are constantly predicting everything that we're doing in every single moment of the day whether it's where you're stepping on the ground and what that's going to feel like to what you're going to say to even just thinking about that meeting that you have coming up or like this party that you have over the weekend like your brain is always predicting and that's where like anxiety comes from because anxiety is basically your brain's predictive mechanism going overload and rooted in fear so anyways Anil Seth and his team created this simulation of uh overcompensated perception and it really looked like somebody having some sort of like mushroom or acid trip and so i'm gonna read a little quote from it um and this quote is uh very important to me for some reasons that i don't i'm not really gonna share right now but one day i will um so he says if hallucination is a kind of uncontrolled perception then perception right here and right now is also a kind of hallucination, but a controlled hallucination in which the brain's predictions are being reined in by sensory information from the world. In fact, we're all hallucinating all the time, including right now. It's just that when we agree about our hallucinations, we call that reality. And then he goes on to say how the experience of being a self is also a controlled hallucination generated by the brain. So I think that, you know, this, and I also have this video, this section of the video on my Instagram. If you go through my reels, you'll see it. Um, I think this is just a really great way to wrap up this episode, this subject. Um, Because what we're seeing is that even in the 1500s, when Rene Descartes was starting to theorize these ideas of the mind and the body and how they connect and how the intangible can affect the tangible and what exists beneath all of it. What I love to see is that we still have not answered the question. We do not know as much as we think we do about the truth of who we are and the truth of this reality. And I'm so excited to be in a stage of history where, you know, we're in this postmodern approach where it's no longer this rigidity of science and um, the reductionist, which, of course, there's still a lot of reductionists um, that exist. Like, I would argue Anil Seth is probably a reductionist himself, but... What I find really exciting is that right now we have different minds, different people coming from different pers- like perspectives and different experiences coming together to try to build a puzzle piece by piece 
for what it is that we experience on a day-to-day basis. And it makes me so excited to see people like Deepak Chopra, like Anil Seth, like Donald Hoffman, like um, Roger Penrose and Stuart Hameroff. Oh my God, I have to do a whole episode on those two. Um, I just, yeah, like there's so many people I can name, but I just feel so excited to be in this part of history. And, um, you know, once upon a time, I wanted to be in the front lines of this historical aspect of who we are. I wanted to be the person discovering consciousness and understanding the neural correlates and dismantling the systems that we've believed in science. Um, But I ultimately decided to take the path of direct experience. Instead of trying to discover consciousness by doing studies and research and performing, you know, simulations and doing all of these things, I'm going to discover it through it, through talking to other people, through reading about these amazing works that people have done. And maybe one day um, I still have a goal of in mind um, to complete a PhD in in psychology and something related to psychology or maybe even philosophy. Um, I still have that goal. So maybe I will be, you know, publishing papers and doing studies one day. But right now I'm very content kind of sailing through life and figuring out what works for me and having these deep revelations within myself that allow me to have a better understanding of this life. And so I guess what I can end this episode with kind of talking about is the idea that it's not that serious and I tell my friends this you know we're just fancy apes and we think we have all of this you know um we think we're so special as human beings and I think we are I think that you know um like I mentioned in my previous podcast I do believe we have some special role here on this earth. I believe we're here to be keepers of the earth and of other species. And I believe we were given this high level intellect so that we can do something with it. And of course our actual responsibility is going very unfulfilled. Um, In fact, we're doing the opposite of what we were meant to do. But knowing that all of this is true, knowing the nature of reality is kind of hidden to us the nature of our own selves is also hidden to us and yet we exist and yet we live our lives and yet we're stuck in this loop where we're made to feel like there's nothing more to it we're made to feel like yeah you know we're just sacks of meat we are born on this earth Every single experience that we have, whether it's love, awe, contact with God, uh, you know, alien abduction, whatever it is that you experience, all of that is just neural networks and chemistry. Relax. You're not that special. When you die, there's nothing waiting for you on the other side. You don't even reincarnate. You just die and you're everything that you are just poof, disappears. That's not even how the 
laws of thermodynamics even work. It, I don't actually think it's possible for the amount of potential energy that human beings create and generate and, and our souls and our purpose and what we do in the world and the impact that we make, I don't believe that we can die. I don't believe that the energy of the human being can ever die. And whether that means it's going to a place, like if you believe there's heaven and hell, or um, if like for me, my personal belief about, you know, human existence and energy is that when we die, we just um, disperse. So just like a supernova, our energy becomes dispersed and I believe it clings on to the people and the places that meant something to us. So I always think that when I die, if you go to Paris, you will find me there. Because Paris has always been a place that has been important to me. And if you look at my astrocartography, I have one of my moon nodes going straight through Paris. And I'm not a big astrology person. I don't know too much about it. But what I do know is that there is no such thing as a coincidence. And so you'll find me in Paris. You'll find me in my sister's house. You'll find me in my future kids' homes. You'll find me maybe in, a, in, in the house of somebody who, whose life I touched without really even knowing it. Um, that's what I believe. And, you know, we're not going to get into death too much because obviously that's another big topic. But the point of what I want to say is that there is so much more than what meets the eye. And I don't, the only reason I don't like reductionist points of view is because I think it's disempowering to the individual. And maybe for some people listening to this, the idea that we're just sacks of meat that die and become nothing and just turn to dust and, you know, once there's no one left around to remember us, that's it for us. Like if you think, if that is comforting for you, then please by all means hold on to that. I believe that freedom is being able to choose what freedom looks like for you, what liberation looks like for you. I believe we cannot be truly free if we are not able to believe what we want to believe, as long as it's not harming anybody else. And so that's one of the reasons I don't like reductionist perspectives, because I think we are so much more and in this life, we are always made to feel so small, so insignificant. And while we are small and insignificant on the grand scale of things, on the micro scale, on the small scale, on your community and who you are inside and your soul and your connection to the fundamental energy of existence, of awareness, you are not small and insignificant. In fact, you are God. You are the universe. Like Alan Watts says, you are the Big Bang, still in the process of undoing itself. And so how can we live our lives with this knowledge? How can we go about our lives knowing that everything we see around us is fleeting, ever-changing, possibly an illusion 
And even the memories that define us may be false, may be distorted. And so you can't trust your senses. You can't trust your memories. You can't trust science, sorry to say it. You can only trust math, in my opinion. So who, who can you trust? What do you trust? And the answer lies in Rene Descartes. I think, therefore I am. You may not be able to trust in your memories, but your memories do not form the self. They help you create an autobiographical record of who, you know, Maria is or John is. But that, you know, Maria is not who I am. That's my name. That's the that's what I was that's what I'm called. But I know that who I am transcends even the limits of my own awareness. So as you move into the next few days of your life, keep this all in mind. Perception is a controlled hallucination that we all agree on as humans. Reality is not what we see it as. And that's been proven in thousands of different ways. And who you are to your core, behind the curtain, behind the veil, underneath the thoughts, and even underneath the unconscious mind, who you are permeates throughout the universe, coming from and into every single entity, object, atom. Even if we want to forget consciousness as a whole thing, the truth is that you are fundamentally connected with all of the cosmos because we are all made of the same stuff. There's like seven fundamental elements that make up most of what we see in the universe. And we are made up of the same exact stuff. We are made of star stuff. Carl Sagan, one of my favorite people in existence ever, he had it right. We are made of star stuff. And our consciousness, our awareness is what connects us all to each other, to the world, to God, and to ourselves. So with that, I will I will end this episode. I had a really great time recording this and I think I've been wanting to talk about these things on my page for a while on my Instagram. Um, for those of you who don't follow me, it's at flowsbeing on Instagram. Um, I'll also link it in the description, but yeah, I've been wanting to talk about these things and that's the thing, it's really hard on Instagram to discuss these kinds of topics because as you see, and as you, I'm sure now that you've listened to the whole thing, um, it's not easy to talk about it, um, it's kind of really far out, very lofty ideas, and yet, um, most of what I mentioned was rooted in science, so it's also hard to, like, wrap your head around and understand exactly how you know these conclusions were found or um made so yeah i'm just really happy to have this uh space where i can talk about these different crazy topics um and really just kind of 
deconstruct them and lay them out in a way that really makes sense and allows you to actually process it. Um, And now, of course, the things that I mentioned in this episode will be trickling into future episodes as well. So if you have any ideas or requests or things that you'd like to talk about, um, please leave a comment or DM me on Instagram and I would be happy to discuss whether it's elaborating on some things that I spoke about today or just another topic that you think would be interesting to talk about. So I guess the last thing that I will leave you with, um, and I like to, I think I'm going to start doing this for my, just to end off the episodes with a little reflection question. Um, How can you alter your experience of perception so that your reality can change? In other words, what can you change about yourself so that the world around you changes in response to that? This is a really nice question. You can apply it to something small whether it's, you know, a specific goal that you have or in the beginning of the year. So people usually have these New Year's resolutions. What can you change about yourself so that you can actually achieve this goal? Or you can think about it on a larger scale. Um, What is your life purpose? And what can you change about yourself so that your whole entire reality changes? All right, so yeah, that's that. Um, Take care of yourself. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate you leaving a review or a question or giving me a follow whether it's on this podcast or on instagram and yeah i look forward to sharing more things with you next time